0: the Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Uh, across
3: the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com and uh, where you'll find the audio-only live stream, links to the podcast, and to uh, social media where you'll find the simulcast of the show each and every day. Also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM translator. That's right. Uh, it is... The Michael Luke Show, the uh, widest broadcast statewide radio talk show, and I don't, I don't know. I'm making that up. I mean, it sounds good though, doesn't it? Sounds good to me. Um, all right. Welcome to Tuesday. This is, uh, this is our deep dive day. This is the day that we get down into it and start talking. I mean, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time, but today we bring guests on to get uh, sometimes a. Alternate point of view, sometimes a um, a parallel point of view. I mean, it, you know, sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we agree to disagree. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, comes on board. I must say that we usually agree more than we disagree because, uh, yeah. Uh, the The worst part is is that I feel like I'm freaking Kreskin You know what I mean? I feel like I've been. <clears throat> I have been predicting this kind of stuff for years, and it just keeps coming true. And um, yeah, it's just, I'm, am t- tired, man. I'm tired. I just want, I just want somebody to listen to the. Uh, but here we are. Um. All right. Weekly top three. Uh. This week with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, And we've got uh, we get some 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 topics today, including what the governor's special session call needs to include because it's important. The language of what is included in the call is important because it limits and directs the conversation uh, for the for those discussions. So that's important. Uh, Where do we go from here? Uh, How the House majority uh, really needs to, you know, really needs to circle the wagons and gather around. I mean, circle the wagons and not shoot inward, right? Uh, I mean, that because that historically is a classic, classic Republican, a little less well-known than uh, never start a land war in Asia. But the second one is classic, don't circle the wagons and shoot inward. But they really need to get their poop in a group on this one. Uh, and and hold strong and hold fast. And uh, finally, uh, how Alaska is still, in many ways, a colony. That is the weekly top three topics for today. And I'm going to let Brad explain all those because, you know, I mean, I know. I mean, anyway, we're going to talk about it. Um, it it's going to be it's going to be. An interesting discussion. Um, all right, so uh, <laughs> we got it. Did I see the plug by AFP, Americans for Prosperity, for Bert Stedman? No, I didn't see that. Okay, uh, send it to me. Uh, somebody in the chat room just said that there was a plug by Americans for Prosperity for Bert Stedman, of all people. That guy. Not one of my favorite people, let's just put it that way. But I mean, but you know, he doesn't care because he knows he knows better than us how we should be doing pretty much everything, so that's so it's okay. Uh, all right, sorry, got distracted, squirrel. Uh, let's go over and then say in hour two, we'll be joined by Chris Storey, the man from Homer. He's gonna come on board and share with us his thoughts. On uh, something I don't know what you know he never he never lets me know I mean sometimes he'll text me in the hour one so I know what the hour two topic is but he never lets me know he always keeps me guessing that's one of the things I like about him he always keeps me guessing Uh, it will be some form of betterment it will be some form of um, you know of positivity and uh, life coaching Uh, how do we how do we get better how do we live better how do we feel better Um, You know, there are some some definite crises in America today, Uh, and people are angry, and they're lonely, and they're depressed, and they're sad, and they're confused, and there's all kinds of stuff. And that's why we need to have a thing like – we need to have things like we have with Chris Story because he helps us. He helps us stay on track. We like that. I mean, he's not the end-all be-all, and he'd not be the first one to tell you that, but he's got a – He's got a good positive attitude, and I love talking to him. So I hope you stick around for hour two. If not, your loss, your loss for hour two. If you don't stick around to get, if you don't get a little story time, story time with Chris Story. There, um, story time with Chris Story. Um, oh, all right, so apparently Americans for Prosperity. The Americans for Prosperity, I just had a bunch of people drop this to me after I asked the question, put out a big thank you to Senator Bert Stedman. Thank you for holding the line on the flawed Defined Benefits Bill, SB88, and asking tough questions addressing the elephant in the room, the $6.1 billion unfunded liability. That's our current liability, um, <laughs> to which I think... Seriously, the best one of the best quotes of the day is the first comment that's up at the top, which is Elijah Verhagen, which says this is the first comment on because this was a a Facebook post. Thank you, Senator Stedman, for holding the line from Americans for Prosperity, Alaska. Uh, And Elijah Verhagen's comment is right there at the top of the page. And it says desperate times call for desperate measures when Bert Stedman is holding the line. (laughs) When, you, when you've got a conservative organization thinking, well, first and foremost, I'd like to say this: even a stopped clock is right twice a day, right? I mean, even a stopped clock is right, you know. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, and I did. I called it out when he when he was the one that was being quoted asking the hard questions. I said, "Hey, good for him," and I said, "You gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give praise where praise is due." He did do that. But then he turned around and stuck it in and broke it off on the rest of Alaskans by basically submarining the entire legislative process and trying to fold and spindle the legislature to his will. I mean, I just figured that if his mustache was less walrusy and more curly like mine, he'd be twirling his mustache in the corner the whole time, cackling to himself about how he's got the whole thing in the palm of his hand. I mean, (laughs) that's. That's what the, uh, you know, it's just, oh, that that is that you know. And by the way, what's going on with Americans for Prosperity Alaska? Uh, I didn't always agree with Bernadette Wilson, but boy, she uh, she got the sack uh just out of the blue, and now they're supporting Bert Stedman? That's that I've got I've got questions. I've got. I've got questions. If they're praising Bert Stedman and firing Bernadette, well, I mean, I'm wondering what's uh, going on. Um, this is, you know, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean the the comments in this, um, the comments in this quote. I can't even read the comments in this on this post uh, for Americans for Prosperity, Alaska. Um. Because they're vicious. They're they're like, now, hold the line on no new taxes, full PFD, and stop the spending spree. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just more like that. It's just more of the same, over and over and over again. Oh, well, I mean, I just, you know, his, his constituents keep sending him back, and I have a feeling that based on what's happening down there in Seattle North, I'm sorry, Sitka, um, it would be... You know, they're just going to keep sending him back until he can't get out of his house anymore. They're just they're just going to love it. They apparently just love him to death. Uh, and he is the bane of existence of most everything that's been going on. Um, I have to give a little praise where praise is due as well. Uh, not just to, uh, I mean, because Bert Stedman did stand up against defined benefits. There is that. Although, I don't know if I'd take out a big ad on it. but. Um, <clears throat> I will say credit is where credits due. Yesterday, I was talking about how James Brooks was pointing out, um, you know, kind of the the sneaky, backhanded,, uh, you know, political wrangling that was going on by Stedman uh, and company in the in the Senate. Well, I don't know if if somebody was listening to me and talked to Iris Samuels over at the ADN, but her latest piece that came out yesterday talking about the continuing hold on the budget. Um, Had a little bit more strident tone uh, today, and she talks a lot about how this is very unusual, what's going on in the legislature, that this is not business as usual. If they're trying to pass this off as um, this is all going to be the House's fault because we did the right thing, which I think is kind of what they wanted to do, hoping that the news media would aid and abet them, that may not be coming down. Um, Iris Samuels wrote this piece, uh, Senate continues to hold budget in an effort to mount pressure on the House to agree to a smaller dividend. Uh, and they go on to say, uh, she goes on to say, rather than passing their spending plan to the House earlier in the session, Senate majority leaders have elected to stall the process until the last possible day. Senate Finance Co-Chair Bert Stedman, a Sitka Republican, said Monday the Senate will still, uh, that the Senate is still trying to work out an agreement an arrangement with the house. She goes on to talk about that traditionally the Senate would pass a budget to the house with enough time for them to consider the plan and decide whether or not to accept the house has not accepted a Senate budget bill in more than 40 years, longer than some legislators have been alive. But this year the Senate has waited to send their proposal for so long that there's no time for a traditional conference committee where both members typically meet to iron out the differences. Instead, the Senate has attempted to hold closed door negotiations with the House to find ways to appease House members sufficiently that they will agree to the Senate bill without drawing from savings. But those negotiations, even as they continued Monday, did not appear to yield any progress with House members uh, showing no interest uh, in agreeing to the plan. We're talking and we continue to talk. They have some unrealistic expectations on the dividend, said Senate President Kerry Stevens. It's really an odd thing right now. We keep talking about this and we can't seem to make any progress. That's what happens when you stab people right in front of their face. Boy, well, I don't understand why you don't have any interest in negotiating with us, since we told you we wouldn't turduck in it, since we told you that we'd work with you on the process and everything else. And then you held it to the last minute, and I don't understand why you're upset. I just don't understand why you're upset. And then Iris Samuel goes for the kill. A peace offering from the Senate in the form of a budget provision that would increase the dividend size if oil prices significantly or sufficiently rose, growing state coffers, did not appear to sway the House. Well, first, way to sell that one, undersell that one, Iris, because it wasn't just uh, if oil prices sufficiently rose. It had a poison pill in it. You had to put money in the thing. You had to find new forms of revenue. Of course, it didn't sway the House because it was push from the beginning. It, I mean, that 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 whole thing—what would, would just
2: that was just BS
3: from the very beginning. Of course, it didn't sway the House members. <laughs> and then yesterday. Some of the minority members said, well, okay, well, we're working on the budget. We might as well put some votes out there to, you know, eliminate the crony capitalism to the tourism industry. Five million bucks to a couple different industries that failed. Some other cost cutting measures failed during budget deliberations. Monday, a proposed amendment in the Senate that would have increased the Senate's proposed dividend to match the House failed five to 15. And the bipartisan Senate majority rejected more than 20 amendments brought by conservative Republicans in the minority. Uh, Rob Myers was in there just making hay while the sun shines, but by the end of the hours-long floor session, its budget had remained largely unchanged and still included a $1,300 dividend, not the normal $2,700 dividend. So, I mean, it's just you know, Uh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop because at this point, I just want to smack the hell out of somebody. I cannot believe that this is this is. This is where we're at right now. But thank goodness that uh, Iris uh, Samuels uh, uh, actually wrote about the truth. Maybe they won't sweep this one under the rug. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thicken Radio. Brad Keithley's up next with our
0: weekly top three. Here we go. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. <sighs>
3: <laughs> the Carrie Stevens comment of the week: the the Carrie Stevens just. <sighs> We're talking. And we continue to talk, but there's some real unrealistic expectations of dividend. It's really an odd thing right now. We keep talking about this, and we can't make any progress. That's because this is what happens when you kick me in the balls. I turn to turn around, and I don't. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Surprise! Surprise! Wait! You slam my hand in a car door. You don't. I don't want to shake your hand now. You have no idea why. Wait, you kicked my cat down the hallway. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Surprise, surprise. Well, you slept with my wife. No wonder we can't have dinner together anymore. I mean, good Lord. Talk about the disingenuousness. I mean, I just don't understand why we can't work together. I don't understand why we can't work together. I'll tell you why we can't work together. Because every time you turn around, you're trying to throttle us. Um, hi, good morning. How are you, friend? Uh, how, how are you? friend? You're on a roll. I'm not sure I want to get in the middle I of this. I am not. I was not. I was not wound up until I started. I mean, I read it this morning and I thought, well, that'd be that'd be a good thing to point out and talk about. And then the more I started verbalizing it, the more I realized that I'm going to burn somebody's house down. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean. I, I just don't understand why you don't want to work with us, man. I mean, why? No, I have no idea why you wouldn't want to work with us either at this point, right? I mean, it's just this is some insanity stuff going on here, Brad.
2: Well, it's uh, it's late in the session. Bert's up to his tricks. It's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, unfortunately, it's business. It's business as will become usual if uh, if the House would happen to concur on this. I mean, what's what's to stop the Senate from doing this every year from now on out?
3: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, the danger is, and Ben Carpenter talked about yesterday, you know, you only have to peel off two or three people uh, to really make this uh, to make this viable. And of course, they've got the rural contingent there in there, and this might in this majority caucus that's a bipartisan majority caucus. And if they get all the bells and whistles, you know, put into the tree that they want, they could very well switch sides and, uh and decide that this is a thing to concur with again, the first time in 40 years that there has been a concurrence, but there you go. Um What a, what a, what a hot, hot mess, man. This is just a hot steaming pile.
2: But as you said, I don't know why we're surprised. <laughs> well, it is uh David Eastman in in 2016, 2017, I guess had a had a great statement which was that uh, twenty eighteen maybe it was that you know once we started cutting the PFD we we would never stop doing it the legislature would never stop doing it once it figured out it had the ability to do that and and fill in the nooks and crannies of its budget that way we'd never stop doing it and I thought no no this is a one year thing we'll get we'll get back to regular order um, and we never have um and so i you know you can sort of i I sort of see the same thing now with this approach by the senate to hold on to the budget till the end and you know inflex its power and essentially you know try to flake off a cuck enough house members to to concur with what the senate's doing and you know once we go down this road i'm not sure we ever go back because you know the senate will have asserted its supreme power its ability to hang on to these things and you know, why would it why right. would it go back to, to where it was before?
3: Well, and it's essentially turned, uh, some of the House members were talking yesterday, and I got a bunch of messages about it, but it essentially turns the 40-member House of Representatives into an advisory committee. They don't get a chance to participate in this whole committee process and everything. I mean, for nothing other than that, these members should not give in to this kind of blackmail because for nothing other than that, like you said, it could change the whole dynamic. Moving forward, you would lose your ability to have a conference committee if you knew they would always peel off. Uh, Kevin says, same thing happened in 2011. Same Senate president, same finance co-chairs, SSDD. Same stuff, different day. That's exactly kind of what's going on here. All right, Brad, hold the line. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, copy chance, liberty Base. free-thinking radio. Like it share, Like it follow. Oh, man, the blood pressure is up this morning. Let's get going on. Here we go. Let's do it. All right, Uh, the Weekly Top 3 kicks off this morning. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. You can find him at ak4sb.com. And, of course, on Facebook, Twitter, pretty much anywhere there's social media. I'm sure he's got a Snapchat and a TikTok account somewhere in there, hidden around there. Brad Keithley joins us this morning. Uh, The Weekly Top, he just stepped in the middle of it. He's like, I don't know if I want to come in there. It's like walking into a (laughs) minefield. Just walked into a
2: landmine, and next thing you know, uh, all right, Brad. Well you you already started the segment back way back in the beginning by distancing yourself from me. So <laughs> I'm gonna let him explain all these points.
3: I, I know. I'm gonna let him explain all the points on this <laughs> and then let Brad, and then I immediately lost my ever loving mind. All right. Well, uh Brad uh weekly top three. Uh we got a lot to cover uh and uh I I wanna get into it. So we're going to start things off. It's pretty much inevitable at this point that there's going to be a special session. Now, whether or not it's the governor calling it for a fiscal plan or whether the household's strong and we approach a government shutdown and we need to do it, there's going to be a, a, some kind of special session. Uh, but you say that the governor needs to have some important language in there because that kind of stuff matters. We've talked about this in the past, but hit me with your thoughts on this.
2: What kind of language does it need to be and why does it matter? I'll get there in just a second, but I want to talk for a moment just about special session. I, I listened to ben's Ben Carpenter's session with you yesterday, yes, uh, last night. And the one thing in there that troubled me greatly was Ben's prediction that we wouldn't go to special session, that 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 the Senate would be able to peel off enough House members to concur in the Senate budget. and And that's that's hugely troublesome for all the reasons you went through in the last segment. but but let me be very clear here. And I and I've got friends on both sides of the aisle, and i'm and I'm talking as much to the House minority members as I am to the to the House majority members who might peel off. If you vote for concurrence, what you're doing is you're voting to fund government on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families through what Icer's Matt Berman has called the most regressive tax ever. That's what you're doing. You're voting to tax middle and lower income Alaska families. Let the top 20% off the hook and have no contribution from, from non-residents receiving income in Alaska, you're voting to, to fund government on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. And, and for those in the minority that talk a lot about, Oh, I'm here for working Alaska families. I'm going to stand up. I ran to stand up for working Alaska families. You are doing the exact opposite by concurring with the Senate's budget. The Senate's budget is a top 20% driven we don't have to pay. We're going to force everybody. We're going to force middle and lower income Alaska families to pay for this budget. It's a top 20% driven budget. And you're just buying in to the to the most regressive tax ever. Uh, if you vote for concurrence.
3: Well, now, and, and you're giving in, and, and as we were talking about in the break, you're giving into blackmail. You will set a precedent. To where this will happen moving forward. There will be no if because Stedman has shown that once he finds a tactic that works, he uses it every time. And this is what will happen every time. The Senate will hold on to their budget until the last two or three days of the session, drop it on you and say, take it or leave it. And people will cave every time. And the House of Representatives will no longer be a representative body. It will be basically a rubber stamp or as they're saying now a 40 member advisory committee that's it they won't they won't get a choice
2: because once he finds it he'll use that forever and and as rob myers pointed out yesterday through his proposed amendments to 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 strip out the crony capitalist uh uh, stuff the stuff where you know it's just we're giving government money to private industry so some we're, we're picking winners and losers by giving money to private industry so private industry doesn't have to raise it from the private sector. They just, you know, as long as they can convince, you know, 20, what is it? 21 plus 11 plus one, uh, then, you know, then they're, they're in heaven. We we also will be giving in the house also will be giving in to a budget set by crony capitalists. That's full of, of, of crony capitalism and full of, of government picking winners and losers right? Uh, in the private sector. So it's just, I mean, it's, we got, we've got two bodies in the legislature for a reason. The constitution sets up two bodies in the legislature for a reason. You know, you, Nebraska has a unicameral legislature. That's fine. You know, that for, for their reasons and for their history that works for them, but Alaska has two bodies, two co-equal bodies. Um, and, and for the house to, to, to bend over and, and, Follow the Senate's uh, crony capitalist top twenty percent driven. Take it out of the hides of middle and lower income Alaska families' budget. I I just think it's um, I think it's just a uh, it would be a horrible mistake.
3: So let's hope it doesn't happen. Let's right. hope let's hope Ben Ben's wrong. Let's hope. Ben's I hope mean, we happen. can always pray, but uh, yeah, he's down there in the trenches. He may have a better view from there, but yeah, let's let's hope that he's wrong.
2: All right. So so what so what what's the need, needs to be in the governor's call if the governor calls the special. Session, which appears likely, it would take the legislature two-thirds of both bodies to call themselves back into session. Uh, if the governor calls into special session, he sets the agenda, and and one set of proposals or one set of thought has been that the governor just you know calls the special session on the budget, um, probably includes the the 404, the the core of the the water permit thing as well. But if he just sets it on the on the budget as it's been. Um, and tries to define that as the scope of the special session, I'm not sure we get any place. The problem, the problem we have in this legislature right now is the Republicans, the House majority has put themselves in the situation where the only way they they can they can they pay for the rep the pay they pay for the PFD. The only way they they get the revenues to pay for the PFD is by is through uh, draining uh, 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 savings essentially taxing future alaskan generations uh, and letting this generation off the hook entirely um w- w- the way the republicans get some balance in the, the way the house majority gets some balance in this in this process is to is to work on uh revenue measures and to say look you know we're not going to drain and and to have some vision that says we're not going to drain savings forever we don't have enough savings to drain forever but we're not going to drain savings forever we've got these revenue measures that we're working on we're going to advance that are going to offset uh some of the uh uh, some of the costs of of government uh and have current the current generation pay for some of the cost of government so it's to to get to get the leverage they need i think to get the senate to move on or to to create a a process to get the Senate to move on the on the dividend, uh, I think the Republicans have to have have to be making progress on some revenue measures. Ben's got a revenue measure in uh in house ways and means the sales tax, not perfect, as you and I have talked about before, but at least it's a revenue measure in house ways and means it's a it's a way of fixing this. Uh the Senate's got a revenue measure uh in terms of the Hill Corp, in terms of oil taxes, generally, but but specifically in terms of the Hill Corp. Uh, closing the Hillcorp loophole, and and I think we need to have that as part of the discussion in the special session, as part of the progress that can be made in the special session uh, to get toward uh, to get toward uh, 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 a balance on the PFD. I don't. I, I will agree with Bert on this. I don't think the PFD moves as long as we're as long as we're talking about the the only place that it's going to come from. Is going to be from future Alaska generations through draining savings more. I don't think that we're going to get much movement on the PFD. And if we're if we're in, and if we, you know, go at it another thirty days, I I tend to agree with Bert that we're going to be at the same place at the end of that thirty days. Okay. I think I think the thing that moves it forward is if there's some discussion of revenues to to have current the current generation pay for a part of the cost and a part of the cost of government. Um, have the top 20% have non-residents pay for a part of the cost of government. And I think that needs to be in the call. Can I
3: can I say that I think we fall into that classic trap? Uh, the first, of course, which is to never get involved in a land war in Asia. The second, which is they've decided to change the verbiage again, because remember, the permanent fund dividend is supposed to be paid out of the earnings reserve account. And you could pay it out of the earnings reserve account, and then you'd have to pay for a government out of other sources because that's what they're doing. They're taking it first out of the earnings reserve and then saying, oh, there's not enough money for the PFD. Well, the PFD is supposed to be first call on the earnings reserve. and it's a, yep. So we've fallen in into the same trap of saying, well, they're paying for it out of savings. No, they're misappropriating it. Not out, They're not taking it out of the proper source. And the thing is, then government – uh, operations and everything else would have to come out of savings. So I you're you're right. I'm just saying this is how they're fu- this is how they're shaping and molding the argument. Now we're arguing about over where we're going to pull this money from when it should come out of the earnings reserve to begin with and we should be figuring out how we're going to pay for the rest of government based on that.
2: That's fine. I mean, uh, you, uh, I mean, maybe it's some may, 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 I mean, maybe a proper way to phrase it is uh, in order to get them to stop taxing the PFD, which is what they're doing to pay for government, there needs to be another revenue source in order to avoid, uh, using PFD cuts to pay for government, which is what they're doing, most yeah. aggressive tax ever in order to get them to avoid doing that. There needs to be a substitute revenue. Source. Yeah, no, um.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, again, I wasn't trying to split hairs. I'm just saying this is how it's led us to this point. And this is this is the argument that we're now in over this. So but I agree with you. I mean, the governor. So what if you were governor, what would you, what would your call be? What would you what would the status and the and the subject of your call be specifically? And what would you avoid quickly here?
2: Well, I, I I'd put the budget uh, uh, certainly on. And he's going to have to put the budget on the on the call. But I'd also put revenue measures. Um, uh, oil tax revenue measures, they could be the revenue measures that are currently in the body. Uh, I'd love to see a flat tax in the body, but, but it's not, um, and it could be the current revenue measures that are in the body, but there needs to be, there needs to be the ability to talk about revenue. If not this year, if not, I mean, you can close the Hillcore loophole and get it this year. But if not this year, there needs to be the ability to talk about some revenue measures down the road. So what right now, I mean, the House budget, the House budget essentially says uh, we're going to we're going to pay the we're going to pay for government. We want to we want to term this correctly. We're going to pay for government out of uh, 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 draws down on on savings this year and some and some PFD taxes, because remember, they're cutting it. From right. the current statutory amount down to POMV fifty fifty, we're going to pay for government this year out of out of drawing down revenue, out of drawing down savings. There's nothing on the House side that that you know leads you to that leads you to believe right now that we're not going to be facing that same thing next year and the year after that and the year after that. That's the problem with the House approach. It's not necessarily the drawdown this year. It's that is that there's no end in sight to 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 the need for a drawdown, and so you got to draw the line. You got to draw the line someplace, and so if I were the, if if I were the governor, I would I would include the budget certainly on the on the call, but I'd also include the revenue measures currently in both bodies, all the revenue measures to give to give maximum flexibility uh, in both bodies. And if the governor wanted to finally come up with this, you know, instead of waiting for Godot never to come, <laughs> the governor want, finally wanted to contribute his proposed sales tax to it. That'd be great too. Uh, Let's let's see what it is, and let's see where it varies from uh, what Ben's proposed. But there needs there needs to be revenue measures on 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 the call, or else we've just locked in on. You know this butting heads throughout the next throughout the next uh, thirty days or whatever the special session is
3: quickly because we're up against the break. But what about calling a special session specifically to create a fiscal plan that includes all those things? I mean, should it be the title of it be finding a long term fiscal plan? Or I mean, what what what
2: say you real quickly on that? Well, we're probably talking about two special sessions. We got to get the FY twenty four budget done. Yeah. Um. And and so you know if you wanted to try to throw in the long term fiscal plan, that'd be great. But that's probably better set aside as another one later in the year
3: all right give us a 30 second tease here of number two where do we go from here brad hit
2: it well we're starting to talk about it it's sort of a smooth transition from one to the other where do we go from here what's the what's what's the legislature got to do what to progress this process forward what's the what's the Uh, House got to do specifically to progress this process forward? What's the Senate got to do to progress this process forward? Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about where we go from here.
3: The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Our guest we will be back with more right after this.
0: What is that?
3: Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. I made a vein throb in Brad's forehead. uh it was <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to get down into semantics on you on that, but I I mean, I could just I all of a sudden I had this ten thousand foot view of look, they've got us arguing over the things that they've been pushing all this time. I mean, it again it 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 is a little bit of semantics and splitting hairs, but at the same time, this is the slow and subtle way that they change the conversation. And that's just
2: terrifying to me. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with that, Michael, but it's shorthand, right? I mean, yeah, that, no. that's where, that, that's where we are yeah. to, to get, to get movement from the Senate. You're going to have to show that there's, that there's substitute revenues. Now, you know, they would phrase it as substitute revenues or revenues to support the PFD. You and I'd phrase it as substitute revenues to, to support government spending levels. Uh, because the PFD is separately funded, but it it's it it comes it ends up in the same place, unfortunately, uh, which is that that there needs to be substitute revenues. There needs to be revenues for some purpose, right? Um, and, and and you can't, you know, I on on you know, back in the mid two thousand twenty teens, uh, you know, that was an important distinction because about you know what it was for, what those revenues were for. Because we were trying to focus people on cutting government costs, right, and saying, "Look, you've got to raise revenues to, to to pay for government and get people to push back on increasing government costs." I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, but I don't, I don't think there's much cutting going that's going to going right. to go on um, uh, in, in the FY '24 budget or even in the in the yeah. future budgets. Hell, this legislation, this this session has been all about where are we going to increase. I mean, yeah. we're going to increase on. K through twelve, we're going to increase undefined benefits, we're going to increase here, we're going to increase there. And we're going to have, you know, state supported childcare now. Um it, it's all been a bit about increases. And there's been, you know, Rob Myers' few amendments, because he tried to, you know, he tried to pick the most obvious examples. Rob Myers's few amendments all got defeated by huge numbers. So
3: Yeah. Uh Rob Myers says something else uh in regards. To me saying, should we include a fiscal plan in the thing? And you said it probably is a second special session. Although Rob points out that uh, once the budget passes, the chance to pass the fiscal plan passes, that literally you got to have the levers of both. You have to have the leverage of holding the budget hostage to be able to get them to actually acknowledge a fiscal plan, which based on their reactions to everything else this entire session, is probably not wrong. They have really no interest in, especially the Senate, they have no interest in passing any kind of long-term fiscal plan. Um, And they have no no interest in factoring the consequences, the unintended consequences of their actions in the future. Uh, They don't care, uh, it seems like, what the uh, long-term thing is going to be, that the PFD is going to be gone, that there's going to be taxes, that things are going to increase. They're not... As long as the government economy is healthy, Alaska is healthy, in their opinion. I mean, that was, that was Ben Carpenter's point yesterday.
2: Yeah, Ben alluded to that by talking about holding up the budget. You know, if we, the Senate has to agree on certain uh, pieces of the fiscal plan, like a spending cap and other things. Ben alluded to that yesterday, and I, and I see the logic for it. But boy, that's a long, special session. <laughs> At the end of a regular session that didn't, that didn't advance the ball much. Uh, on that topic. I mean, we haven't, we haven't gotten any pieces of the fiscal plan, even out of um, uh, house finance and several pieces of the fiscal plan are still back in house ways and means. So you're talking about going from, you're talking about a special session that you would then say has to go from zero to a hundred in, in, in 30 days, 30 days that's coinciding with, you know, everybody in, all the tourists coming into judo and all the all the disruption that creates going from zero to 130 days when we couldn't get it done in 120 days so you couldn't even get couldn't even get the ball advanced out of one body in 120 days so it's uh it's asking a lot i i i appreciate the point that rob's making i appreciate the point that ben made yesterday um but we better be prepared to be here for a while uh if uh if that's uh if that's the process we're going to go through
3: and then gary in the chat room makes a comment which i think is probably indicative of many um republicans who are probably closer to the top 20% and who don't really understand the uh genesis of the pfd itself He said, how did Alaskans live before the PFD is around? Did everyone live in homeless camps and eat in food lines? I'm sure people survived just fine. However, most did not buy a new ATV or car every year like they did after the start of the PFD. Just getting rid of the PFD once and for all and right into the law, the budget could never grow over the annual amount of those earnings. Populations have been falling year after year, the size of the budget, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Basically saying, I'll just give up the PFD and it'll be fine. Um, Which, first of all, I'll tell you right now. I've never bought an ATV or a new car every year. When I got my PFD, my PFD paid for heating oil. It paid for food. It paid for new tires for my car. It helped me pay off my my house uh, or pay off down payment on my house. That's, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a ridiculous statement in that regard. Uh, I don't think yeah, we should just a, give it, it up.
2: It's a caricature of what of what the PFD is used for, and and people use people in the top twenty point percent use that point to try to you know belittle the pfd but but michael you're much more representative of what people uh, use the pfd for absolutely uh, all right we got i'm sorry we got we're 8 seconds away brad i'll let you you can comment
3: on it if you want here we go the michael duke show common sense radio
0: the michael duke show not your daddy wait sorry not your daddy oh not your daddy's talk radio huh. Whew. I'm scared for a second Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Not not your daddy. No, I'm not
3: not your dad No, that that would make me your daddy. No, wait a minute. All right, it's not your daddy's talk radio. The Michael Dukes show. Brad Keithley is our guest. I'm not his daddy either. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, we're ready to go. <gasps> we're getting into the uh second of the weekly top three, which is where do we go from here? Uh, that was a very interesting comment. Maybe we, I guess we'll get to it in the break or whatever. But uh, Brad, I'll let you take the floor. Number two, where, where are we at?
2: Well, the house has to the house has to work through its fiscal plan. I mean, the the disarray in the house is is disappointing and really undermining the house's position uh, on the PFD because they've got they've got no substitute revenues. I mean, to to sustain the PFD, whether whether you characterize it as paying for the PFD or paying for government in lieu of PFD taxes, taxes on the PFD. One way or another, we've got to come up with a substitute source of revenue. And and and, and for the House's position, both this year, frankly, I think, and long term, the House has got to come up with a credible position on what we're going to do uh, if we if we stop you know, relying on on PFD cuts, if we stop relying on PFD taxes. Uh, uh, going forward, and and it's not it's not come up with that credible position. I mean, it's 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 sort of <laughs> we talked about this last week in terms of you know advancing pieces as opposed as opposed to a whole plan uh, at one time. But the pieces are in disarray. I mean, it's got the the PFD the constitutionalizing the PFD is sitting in House Finance. I think uh, heck, it still may be back in House House Ways and Means, but I think it's in House Finance. Uh, the spending cap, which uh, which is a, a component of it, not the most important component, but a component of it, the spending cap uh, made it out of ways and means, made it to house finance, and that it imploded when a Republican of all people tried to uh, tr- propose to amend it to increase uh, the 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 cap to by another billion dollars uh, and essentially allow additional government spending. Um, so it's not even it's not made it out of house finance, and then the and then the 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 other component of it, the 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 revenues, the replacement revenues, the substitute revenues, those haven't made it out of out of house ways and means. Ben said he was going to bring it up for a vote uh, last uh, Friday night. So presumably he's got the votes to advance it uh, or he wouldn't he wouldn't bring it up. but but it hasn't made it out of House Ways and means, and certainly hasn't made it through house finance right the Republicans to 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 get this thing framed, in a way that's going to make progress, the Republicans have got to build a credible plan. And as of as of where we sit right now, the, the House majority just doesn't hasn't done that. Um, so going forward, uh, a particularly important piece to push back on the Senate, to push back on those who say, we're just going to use PFD cuts to fund government. Uh, the House has got to build a credible plan, uh, a credible fiscal plan to, to to be out there and pushing. I mean, it's too easy for the Senate. Now the, the Senate says, look, we're going with the balanced budget. Um, you guys don't have a credible plan on how to get to a balanced budget. Uh, and so we're the balanced budget guys. We're the real fiscal. Co- they're not, but you know, they claim that we're, we're the real fiscal conservatives. Cause we got a balanced budget first, on the backs so of middle and lower income Alaska yeah. families. But, We got a balanced budget first time in 12 years. We've been
3: interested in a balanced budget, but this year is the year we're going to, we found Jesus, but, but
2: but at least, but, but they're saying that and the house, the house has no comeback to that right now. The house is, well, we're just going to drain savings by another amount. Well, that's not a long-term plan. It's not even a short-term plan to tell you the truth, because we're down to the point where we don't have that much savings left. So it's, it's the house has got to me, the onus is on the house to get its act together. To, to to get around a fiscal plan, get it out there on the table. Get it. Get all of the component pieces, at least through ways and means, uh, if not all the way through House Finance. And then be prepared to push back on the Senate and say, "Look." It, it, and here's where the debate should be. Here's where we where we start gaining if the debate's this. Look, you want to fund government on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. <coughs> we want to fund government fairly all alaskans contributing uh, uh in some amount and some significant amount to the to the cost of government and then then we've got a debate then we've got a debate that frankly you know you we will find that the house minority is closer to the house if the house majority is able to, to build that we'll find that the house minority is closer to the house majority than they are to the senate because the house minority instinctively is going to want to look for fairness for middle and lower income Alaska families. They're going to want to look for strength in the Alaska economy. So if the House majority, (coughs) I'm sorry, if the House majority can get their act together and get that package together, I think you find the House minority sort of gravitates toward the House majority position and away from the Senate position. But as long as, as long as the House majority doesn't have that sort of balanced long-term, short-term and long-term position. You know, the Senate is the is has has the only game in town in terms of being able to talk about a balanced budget. So right. it's the 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 real I, I think going forward, the real emphasis, the real focus, the real weight ought to be on the House majority to get their act together on uh, on the fiscal plan
3: to have the full fiscal plan to have it out to engage the minority in it and to get it going on all right well that brings us to number three which is uh your belief that alaska is still in many ways a colony uh the colony of alaska which some of us have argued that for years but uh give me your take on why alaska is still a colony
2: i tell you the hill the hill corp uh loophole has just i I, i'm 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 just amazed that there are people trying to defend the little the hillcorp loophole we talked a couple of weeks ago about the op-ed by the head of the iditarod which hillcorp helped fund helped fund (coughs) important maintaining the hillcorp loophole is and then and then we saw jeff landfield write an article in the uh essentially an op-ed in the alaska landmine defending the hillcorp loophole and we've seen We've seen other people uh, trying to defend the Hillcorp loophole. That's just silly. It's just silly. I mean, the $100 million is dropping to Hillcorp's profit. Hillcorp is trying to threaten Alaska by saying, well, if we don't get that $100 million, that extra $100 million, you know, we're not going to have as, as robust a drilling program in the Cook Inlet as we otherwise would. The Hillcorp, the, the $100 million has no relationship to the Cook Inlet. The Cook Inlet is hardly taxed. There's royalty relief. In the in the in the Cook Inlet, the economics of the Cook Inlet work. The legislature in the past has taken steps that make the economics of the Cook Inlet work. HillCorp has all the incentive in the world to go ahead and and engage in activities in the Cook Inlet. Alaska gas sells for multiple times higher than lower forty-eight gas. The incentives are to make investment in Alaska, develop the gas, sell it at Alaska prices. No way in the world, the hundred million dollars. Uh, of the Hillcorp loophole is tied to the Cook Inlet. Yet we have people running around saying, "Oh my God, you know, we can't, we can't tax Hillcorp in the same way we taxed BP because Hillcorp would lose hundred million dollars, and so they might not do things, do things with it." That hundred million dollars is just profit to to the Hillcorp shareholder uh, and the Hillcorp owners, and and it is profit that's not necessary to get them, to incentivize them to develop in Alaska. It's also windfall profit. When they did the transaction with BP, as we talked about before, when somebody does an acquisition, they have two lists. A list of the things that are absolutely necessary to get the deal done to make the economics work, and a list of things that would be great if somehow they fell in place. Believe me, the Hillcorp loophole, the S-Corp treatment was on the second list, was on the list of, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if Alaska was so stupid that they never taxed us the way they tax, the way they tax other C corps. Um, and, and that hundred million dollars is just dropping to the Corps bottom line. If we can't, if the legislature can't get the guts to close the loop, the close the Hillcorp loop loophole and take that hundred million dollars over to Alaskans, if they can't get the guts to do that, then, then we are an oil colony. I mean, cause we, cause we, cause we are not thinking about Alaskans first, we're thinking about just giving money away when some oil company makes some claim about some, you know, benefit that 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 they're going to provide us showers us with uh, if they get an extra hundred million dollars. Yeah
3: my my the my favorite argument that i've heard so far and by favorite i mean most ridiculous is the argument that is well when they bought it they knew they they expected this to happen in perpetuity and so we shouldn't change although i've never seen an argument where some corporation came into alaska under a certain tax structure and that guaranteed them forever in perpetuity that the tax structure in the state would never change on corporations of any kind it just happens because this is hillcorp and and they're threatening the whole cook inlet gas thing and all that I mean, I, that is the most ridiculous argument. Like, you can never expect it to
2: change in the future. Dude, it well, changes my, all the time. And Michael, oil, oil Company 101, I mean, I used to teach courses on, on legal structure, regulatory structure, right? Oil Company 101 is, it will change. Create, create flexibility in your economics to accommodate the fact that governments will change, government programs will change you know, make it robust as at, 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 at various levels, because the government will change those levels. And if we go through, go through difficult times, and we stop investing in a certain area, as happened with the oil companies in the late 20 2000s, uh, the you should expect the government to change to reduce the the take so that it reincentivizes investment, it will change that's, that's oil company 101. And for Hillcorp to make that argument is just for I don't Hillcorp can make that argument for people to believe people in the legislature to believe that argument they don't belong in the legislature they belong someplace else. Well,
3: again, we talked about it yesterday. There's a lot of willful blindness going on, I think, in uh, in
2: in these cases.
3: Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. Brad, thanks for coming on board and joining us.
2: Michael, as always, thanks for having
3: me, folks. We're out of time for this hour. We got more coming on. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more after this. Um, <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, Sherry just says, Brad, honestly, just wow. Hillcorp is doing the dirty work for Alaskans. Who do you suggest monetizing Alaskan oil and gas?
2: Hillcorp will continue doing it, Sherry. I'm just going to say. We that. don't need to pay them an extra $100 million to do it. They will do it based upon the economics of SB 21 that we passed in in, in 2013. Yeah. I'm, it, it, it's We're giving them $100 million simply because of the way that their corporation is organized. Right. And if you want to give them $100 million, give them $100 million out of your pocket. Right. Don't give them $100 million out of middle and lower income Alaska families who are bearing the costs as a result of the deeper PFD cuts that we're making in order to fund that hundred million dollars that Hillcorp otherwise should be paying, right? Uh, Brian said,
3: "It's a sad day." Harold, Harold isn't here to hear that last statement from Brad. Where if you can't find a hundred million dollar cut from Hillcorp, then I mean that's the thing. I mean, you're this is an oil and gas guy talking, saying this is should be expected. This is not. I mean, they could cry and whine all they want, but you can guarantee it's factored into their plan somewhere.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's factored into their plan. Absolutely. It was in their, it was in their economics. I mean, BP, look, BP wanted out of Alaska for a variety of reasons. They wanted to monetize Alaska and, and, and go on with their life uh, someplace else. They were, you know, talk about round heels. We've talked about the government governor having round heels, just giving and giving and giving BP was giving and giving and giving. I mean, Hillcorp Hill couldn't come up with enough things to ask from from BP uh, 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 to you know to to get BP out of here fast enough. So it's so that hundred million dollars, Michael clearly was a wind, is clearly is a windfall to to to, to Hillcorp. Now they're trying to justify it, and they're trying to make defenses, and they're trying to threaten you know if they'll shut down the Cook Inlet or shut down their exploration program or whatever they're threatening to do if they don't get that extra hundred million dollars. But come on it's 100 million dollars that BP was paying <clears throat> that the other majors on the on the on the on the slope are paying and that Hillcorp is getting simply because of its of its different corporate structure. You know, if, if this the reason you don't tax S corps in most in most jurisdictions is because it's a flow through. The the profits flow through the S corp to the individual owners and then the individual owners pay taxes on it at the individual level. Well, what's happening in Alaska and and that's historically, I mean, S corps were created back when back when we still had income taxes. That's historically the reason that that you have that in Alaska. So it flows through and is taxed at the at the individual level. Well, we're not taxing we're not taxing Hillcorp at the individual level either. I mean, we don't have an income tax on the on the, on the owners of Hillcorp. So they're getting this tax free. And it's that $100 million tax free. Hundred million dollars in revenue tax free, and it's just, or yeah, you know, it, it's just, it, it is just ludicrous to think that that is motivating their behavior um, in any way other than to, you know, making them have to make more bank trips to go cash the hundred million dollars. puts a hundred million dollars in their banks. I, yeah, Sherry, I'm sorry. I would like you. You know, you and Tom are are friends. We've agreed on a lot of things, but th- that's just stupid. I mean that's just stupid to think that that hundred million dollars is is due Hillcourt because they get their hands dirty. Right. They'll still be here. They aren't going anyplace. They're making a heck of a lot of money out of Alaska the way it is, and and the hundred million dollars is just free money that we that we're giving them as opposed to. Being able to distribute it to middle and lower income Alaska families well, PFD, and I
3: will remind people like Sherry that there—I mean—the the proviso in the Constitution says that the that the resources in Alaska must be developed to the maximum benefit of the people, and that is a finite resource that they're extracting. I mean, there's only so much of it, so. We need to get the maximum benefit to the people uh, in any way possible. And that includes in making it an equitable tax structure. Uh, to, you know, if they hit, if another company came in and bought a similar project, but it was a C Corp, it'd pay $100 million more. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I agree that we should be getting the maximum that we can for our oil in every way. I don't think it's the $1.2, $1.3, $1.8 billion that we keep hearing being thrown around. But, you know, a hundred million here, a hundred million there, pretty soon you're talking about real
2: money. Well, and especially Michael, since we're you know, it's not it's not like it's not like it's reducing savings or anything. It is coming out of that hundred million dollars would go to support the budget, would reduce the pressure for for PFD cuts, would reduce the pressure for taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families. so so, the people who are paying Hillcorp that hundred million dollars, the reason, Hill Corp's get, continuing to get the hundred million dollars is because middle and lower income Alaska families are taking less in terms of PFDs, uh, uh, to, to, fund that hundred million dollars that, that Hillcorps Corp's go, doing. You take a hundred million dollars, you take that hundred million dollars out of Hill Corp, That's not going to affect their decline curve at all in either the Cook Inlet or, uh, up on the slope SB 21 provides more than enough incentives for them to continue to make investments, uh, uh in both locations. Brad,
3: Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, I can tell we touched a nerve with some people. Uh, well, how about taxing all S corps? Well, I mean, if you know, it, there's again special carve outs for for oil companies specifically in state code to begin with, and this just would equi- this would level the playing field in that regard. But all right, we're we're out of time uh, here uh, with Brad you i mean you could stay and rant all you want brad I, you no. know, if you want to you do it, it's it's fine no um, no, no, no. I've, I've said my piece you've said my piece he's gonna go you know, go wet your whistle and get uh, things uh away all right brad thank you so much for coming on board today we appreciate you uh, appreciate you being part of it thanks so much michael as always thanks for having me all right folks uh we got more coming up the michael duke show continues It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Hour two is dead ahead. I, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about here in a minute. I'm going to go back to what I was ranting about earlier. Here we go. Hour two right now.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Across the world on the Internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome back to hour two of the big radio broadcast for Tuesday. We just finished up with Brad Keithley uh, and the weekly top three. Thank you for coming on board, Brad, and joining us. We appreciate it. If you missed it, a good discussion on what's coming up in the legislature, what we need to do, what the special session should look like, and why Alaska is still an oil colony, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can go back and listen to that on the podcast, which is available wherever you find good podcasts, uh, including Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Google Play, and, of course, Spotify. So just go out there. And if you subscribe to the show, uh, it will automatically download it to your, uh, to your device every day. And uh, you can uh, listen to the show at one and a half speed. Somebody said they did that. I listen to your show at like one and a half speed. So you're talking like this all the time. But I get through it quick and it's good, good, good stuff. So, um, yes. So uh, this morning, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to our friends over there at Satellite West. Satellite West, uh, proud sponsors of the program. Uh, they have uh, the tools and the talent to keep you connected no matter where you are, uh, from Seward to Selawik, from uh, Diomede to Delta, from uh, Nikiski to Nanilchik to Ninana. Wherever you are in the state of Alaska, they can keep you connected, whether it's for cell phone calls or text messages or emails or just surfing the Internet. They've got the tools and the talent to make it happen. Go to satellitewest.com to find a list of their dealers across the state of Alaska, including Communications North in Seward, another place there. You can go out there and check it out. Special thank you to all the folks at Satellite West for helping to sponsor the program today. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so uh, Chris Story is going to be joining us here in just a few moments for our weekly uplift or life coaching lesson, whatever you want to call it. He's going to come on board and share with us and we'll all be better for it. I, I recommend you stick around. I, I mean, I like I said, I see a lot of the numbers drop off uh, on, the, on the simulcast. Uh, so I know maybe some people on the radio are doing the same thing, but maybe you need it. Maybe he says something to you today that just peaks your melon, just, you know, just touches that special part in your brain and says, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, that's good stuff. I love having Chris on. We had to laugh because there was somebody who posted in the Homer communications group on Facebook that said, uh, I'm listening to Michael Dukes. And as soon as Chris tur- sh- shows up, I turn off the thing. You know, Chris is just like, "Yep, yeah, well, there's, you know, what he, do but don't do that. Chris has got some good stuff. There's always something good. And then, of course, we always finish with something uh, in the final segment of the show. Maybe phone calls. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but let me get uh, back on track here to talk about some of the things that are happening in the legislature. Now, I, I started with this in the last hour, so I don't I don't want to get too ranty. Uh, although if I do kind of climb the walls here, Chris will talk me back off the ledge. So that is the positive note of having Chris Story on this morning. Um, but I've got to just you know, I've got to laugh uh, again. Special kudos going out to Iris Samuels, who writes for the ADN. Um, I said it early last week uh, that I said this is what's going to happen. The Senate's going to drop their stuff on the last minute. They're going to try and force the hand of the House and then basically get the news media to be culpable in the story that somehow this is the House's fault, that uh, that we're approaching a government shutdown, that we don't have a budget and everything else. And I'm pleasantly surprised to see Iris Samuels and James Brooks and others who are writing for the mainstream media actually calling out the Senate for their behavior and their actions on this. Iris Samuels actually said, uh, you know, that normally, traditionally— the Senate would pass the budget to the House with enough time for them to consider the plan and to decide whether or not to accept it. Uh, the House has not accepted a Senate budget bill in more than 40 years, by the way. 40 1982 was the last time that the House just concurred with the Senate budget and they moved on. Uh, but this year, the Senate has waited to send their proposal for so long that there's no time. They actually have not transmitted the budget to the House. They just said, here's what we've got, and now they're working behind closed doors. Uh, But then we go on to hear a quote from Gary Stevens, the Senate president, and this is his quote. Again, I'm going to try to not get too worked up about this because I just get so, I mean, I'm so, here's Gary Stevens. We're talking and we continue to talk. They have some unrealistic expectations on the dividend. It's Really an odd thing right now. We keep talking about this and we can't seem to make any progress. Well, that's because you guys really didn't make a good faith. That's like you're being mugged and the robber's like, well, I just don't understand why they're just not being cooperative. I mean, I have a gun to their head and I've demanded everything, but there's no reason to be mean about it. I mean, that's that's exactly we're getting mugged by the Senate and they're surprised that we're pissed off about it. I mean, I just we just can't seem to make any progress. That's because you're holding hostages and you're like, well, I just don't understand why you won't capitulate. I mean, really, Gary, that's I mean, you can't believe that we can't make any. And this is, again, the problem with negotiations. Uh, that we see so many times in the legislature uh for example we've talked about the PFd you know we had all these all these legislators who were full PFd supporters and they could see that it was going nowhere so they finally said fine we'll meet you at 50 50 P-O-M, you know the 50 50 dividend the hammond dividend we'll meet you at 50 50 and the other legislators are like oh okay good you're gonna then we'll'll we'll, we'll, we'll say 25 75 like, that's not how negotiations work. We came and met you halfway. And you're, no, no. But they just can't, uh, they cannot understand how we just, well, I don't understand why we were not making any progress. Maybe because you stabbed us in the back. Remember? I didn't bother to go look it up, but there's an article in the ADN that talks about this. After the House transmitted their budget to the Senate, which they did on April 17th, they finished their budget, transmitted it to the Senate on April the 17th, and nothing has happened since then, right? But when when, when that happened— And there was a lot of talk and fervor because Bert Stedman, co-chair of finance, is the Machiavelli of the Alaskan legislature and he said, oh, you know, they were concerned that he was going to stuff everything into one bill, make it a big omnibus bill, make it a big up and down one and done vote. And he's like, well, no, we wouldn't. We wouldn't do that. We the walrus has spoken. We wouldn't do that. We can't. We would we would never ever do that.
2: That's just BS. And
3: then guess what happened? And then guess what happened with three days left on Thursday night, they 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 signal they don't transmit the budget. They signal that this is what's happening, and it all begins. And then they just can't. They're shocked, shocked. I tell you that we are just not cooperating and capitulating. We're just we're just we're holding all that we're doing. But thank God for people, you know that the Iris Samuels and the and the James Brooks of the world are actually pointing out that this is not the Senate's or this is not the House's fault. The House transmitted, they did their work, they transmitted their bill on the 17th of April, and the Senate has just sat there and done nothing. And so then yesterday, during budget deliberations, there were a bunch of proposed amendments, including one by the House Minority. That would have increased the Senate's dividend to match the House's figure because the House wants $2,700 per person. The Senate wants $1,300. That fails on a vote to 5 to 15. And then the minority went on to continue with 20 amendments, including amendments from Rob uh, Myers, which would have um, cut the general fund budget for tourism marketing. And fish marketing. The, each one of those industries, the, the tour industry and the fishing industry, for marketing, the pro, I mean, because, you know, like, every nobody knows about Alaska. We really need to go out there and tell people about Alaska. Five million dollars each. That's what these industries got. I mean, that is the definition of crony capitalism. And the, he tried it, and nope, shot him full of holes can't pull that off. So then he tried to pass a couple of pieces of intent language to make sure that the money that the that the government spend is only when we actually have a decent plan to spend it, meaning he was trying to put language in that made it contingent that we have a full long-term fiscal plan. Guess what happened? Riddled full of holes, just absolutely massacred. 20 different amendments not a single one gets across the line. Not a single one. I mean, and again, this is their own But They have no appetite to actually control the size of scope of government at all. A ben Carpenter was 100% right yesterday. To them, a healthy economy means a healthy government economy. Forget about the private economy. Forget about any of that. As long as the government spend is okay, the economy is Alaska is great. As long as the government's okay, that's exactly where it's at. But uh, shocked, shocked, I tell you that we somehow don't want to be rolled and coerced and mugged by the Senate and 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 i agree with brad if the senate uh, if the house majority members uh who are you know the coalition majority members and i'm talking specifically now about the four rural democrats who are part of this if they uh, well and the independent three and in one independent if they get rolled on this if they get enticed by some kind of well we promised to put in millions of dollars for your project if you'll just vote for our thing if they get bought This is what you'll see moving forward. You'll see the Senate hold on to that budget till the very last day, every time, and then it'll be whatever they want in it, and it's an up and down, you got to vote for it, turning the House of Representatives into a 40 person advisory committee, not a representative body that actually represents their constituents who has an equal playing ground. Because what normally happens is the House puts out a budget, the Senate puts out a budget, they create a conference committee with members. Now, there's lots of problems with the conference committee, don't get me wrong. But they're not even pretending. They're not even pretending that that stuff matters now. No, you don't get a say on it. No, we're not going to have a conference committee. No, we're not going to. Nope, we're just going to. Nope, it's take it or leave it. And there you go. I just can't understand why they're not happy to deal with this. I just can't understand why they would just. Oh, God. I mean, this is this is the game we're playing, folks. This is the game we're playing. And unfortunately. It's. This is all going to come to an end. Now, maybe it's in five years, maybe maybe even as long as 10 years. But if they keep this ball rolling in this direction, especially if they discover they can use this kind of blackmail against the House and they can do it moving forward, what will the next five years' budgets look like? What will happen then? Well, it will just accelerate the timeline to the point where, mm-hmm, Mhm. I I mean it will be no PFD. There will be no uh there there will be none of this there will be nothing. It will be nothing but government spend for days on end. The PFD will go away. They'll have to put a tax in and eventually they'll take on the corpus of the fund on top of it because that's what they do. I mean, I have literally been talking about this for 20 years. I mean, just I, 20 years. I've been saying their whole goal is to get to the corpus of that fund. The POMV SB26 was the first step. The elimination of the permanent fund dividend is the next step. Instituting some form of taxation is the third step, and eventually they're just going to say, "Well, we just need to. We're going to have to overdraw the fund." Sorry. And don't think that that five percentage points is going to stop them. It's a statute. The five percentage limit on the POMV is a statute. They've ignored statute at their will. All right, I'm done. Chris Story is coming up next to Michael Luke Show, Sense Radio.
0: listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Yeah, their
3: bosses told them to. They're transcribing everything we say on the show and reading it as a briefing every day. And um, so Bert, uh, Gary, if you're listening, you guys are the worst. I mean, just the absolute worst for the state of Alaska and the future. as my personal opinion. I'm sure you're a hell of a nice guys, and we could all sit down one day and have a beer. Probably not. But, I mean, you guys, right now, are the worst. This whole strong-arm tactic is just... <laughs> it's... I mean, I was really pissed when, Garrett, when uh, 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 Bert, last time, when he... Uh, When he held up, he was going to hold up the Connick Goose Bay Road project monies. I about lost my will to be a kind and generous person because that was just He's playing games with people's lives. That's the kind of arrogance we're talking about. It's just, it's astonishing. Astonishing. All right. Um, Good morning, Michelle. Hello, sir. Oh, Michael. How are you? Michael. Just don't call me I'm late, late after for after supper. supper. I don't care. In in, in France, That's you'd right. be 100% correct. It would be Michelle. Michelle. Uh, Michelle. Although it
4: would sound cooler.
3: Exactly. Michelle. How are you, Michelle? Like a uh, dodgeball. Yeah, exactly. A do- dodgeball. Do- do- um, howdy. howdy. Howdy, howdy, my friend. How are you?
4: Fantastic, Michael. I'm I'm raring to go. I'm on top of the world. Where'd you expect to find me
3: today? Um. Well, you know, any gutter will do. That's what I'm saying these days. Any <laughs> right. gutter will do. Uh, Have you
4: had Gary Senator Stevens on your show before? Have uh, you ever accepted an invitation? He's
3: never accepted an invitation. I've invited him a couple times. I invited him during okay. the. Uh, I invited him during the. Uh, 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 the election. Okay. I've invited him prior to that. But yeah, no, he's never been on the program because uh I mean, why? He doesn't have to be. He he doesn't have to come and answer don't any wait. of my questions. He want he but he will. He'd love to go on KBBI and talk to you guys, you know, down there on the public the public radio. Um so, you know, it it's just there. Have you had him on your program much? No. No, I
4: um nope. Have not. I don't think I I don't remember if I've invited him or not. Um I well, I have had him to the extent where he lectured a group in the homer gymnasium that that it's never paid your money it isn't your money shut up and stop whining that i've played that clip a few times Uh, i know you (laughs) have as well but that's the extent that i've had them on the program yeah that's uh... i don't mind disagreement i don't mind a disagreement over hey should we use some of these should we allocate some of these monies instead of going to you should we allocate it to the government to spend Have the conversation honestly and intellectually um, but to sort of obfuscate or gaslight Alaskans that that he knows better and make us feel like this is not the dividend you seek, it's right? Not right. Yours. Exactly. It's just so insulting. It's insulting.
3: Exactly. Because hey, a he's not a Jedi, so your mind tricks are not working, and b it just pisses me off. So I mean, you know those. <laughs> yeah,
4: and I don't understand. I don't care if you're you're liberal, libertarian, or conservative or evangelical. How can you hear that and still go, yeah? I'll vote for him. He's my guy.
3: Yeah, I don't get no. it. I mean, that's the thing. The only reason I think, uh, you know, you get, again, Bert Stedman, who lives in Seattle North, a suburb known as Sitka, uh, I mean, he's he's just going to keep going back time and time and time again because they never put up a serious candidate against him. And they're just like, yeah, it must be okay. I mean, I I could tell you right now, just from their representation, I would never want to live in Sitka because, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just wow. This is the guy you keep sending back. Uh, And this is a retread. Uh, Kevin McCabe made a mention earlier that this is exactly the same scenario that took place in 2011 when Gary Stevens was also the Senate president and Bert Stedman was also the finance co-chair. This is just history repeating itself. So it's. uh... But, Chris, I need to get my mind right here, baby. What uh, what are we talking about today? The second wind of the good life. The second wind of the good life. I'd like my first wind of the good life. Could I have the first wind first and then we'd talk about the second wind? You got it. Um, all man, right. You're 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 in that wind, man. I, I am in the I just made wind. Uh, all right. So the second wind of the good life. I mean, it's radio. It's not. It's not. You can't smell it. So it's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, all right. Uh, the second wind of the good life. Chris Story is our guest. We're going to continue. Going to put him uh, on hold for just a second. We're going to continue here. Jump back into it. Please like and share. Like and follow. Don't go away. He will give you good stuff today. I guarantee it. Or your money back. Here we go. Okay, uh, we're ready to do this thing. Yeah, the positivity update. That's right, the weekly life coaching lesson, the betterment section of the show. Chris Story. He is an entrepreneur. He's a realtor. He's a author. He's a potter. He is a guru of positivity, the man, the myth, the legend in his own mind, Chris Story. Hello, my friend. How are you doing this morning? Michael, I'm on top of the world. I'm anxious to be here and get every Tuesday morning. I wake
4: up. Well, I like to wake up every morning, but on Tuesday mornings, (laughs) I wake up uh, with a little extra electricity
3: in my body. I just feel like I'm channeling my syndrome. That's because your electric blanket is shorting out. That's why you're a little little bit more electricity in your body on Tuesday mornings. That and the bed. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. The today, bladder control the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. The whole thing. This is what happens when you get old. Um, all right. So today's topic is going to be the second wind of your best life. Is that right? Is that uh, did, did that right? I mean. Close your, enough. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, potato, potato, good life, best life. Good life, life yeah, best I life. That. I mean. Uh, so today you're going to tell us how to catch. And I just said, I mean, I, I was being a little facetious, but not too much when I'm just like, man, I want to catch the first wind of my, of the good life or my best life. So, I mean, am I there already? I mean, you're on the outside looking in, am I in the best? I mean, I mean, am I in the first wind of my best life? What, what is, give me the, give me the details here. What are you thinking?
4: Am I on the outside looking in or above you looking down? I don't know, Michael, you potato, potato again, you you get to determine that. I feel like I'm above you looking down to 30,000 feet and saying, "Hmm, do okay. you define yourself? um by what you do uh is your work the defining purpose of your life or do you derive meaning only through what you do does it create who you are in this world i mean that that is sort of our first win we can't help it we go into a career maybe we, we switch horses a couple times during the race but as we get closer to the finish line and maybe that's retirement retirement looming, whatever that looks like for you, into the distance a little bit. You start to wonder what what then, you know, what will that life look like? What's the second wind of my good life? If I've really enjoyed my career or not, and I'm looking forward to something else. So often what we do defines who we are and who we become and we identify. I mean, look, you see people die in office at their desk essentially, because they can't let go of who they used to be and the power and everything that comes with it. And for example, sports illustrated is putting 81 year old Martha Stewart on the cover in a swimsuit. And this is probably some 30 to 40 surgeries later. I don't know how many countless hours of a master at the the helm of Photoshop is going to be creating this false illusion to, for everybody to, to, ogle and admire that look at her at 81 my gosh she's still in that first phase of life and first wind of life versus gracefully moving from strength to strength um reading a book right now called strength to strength by arthur brooks and he talks about the second curve of your life there's a lot of meaning deep meaning that can be found in that transition into your second curve or what uh, somebody of no relation, another book that's great and I highly recommend called The Road to Character by David Brooks, again, no relation, but he calls it your second mountain. So you've climbed your first mountain, you've reached the peak, wherever it is, or you've topped out somewhere along that mountain, whatever it is in life, and now you're looking towards that second mountain, which can create in your life contentment. You can find deep meaning and purpose, and it might be that just beyond work just beyond your career just beyond your child rearing and and now you have this other opportunity to still contribute and create and do something in and with your life that there's deep meaning in but but it's just that willingness to look forward towards it and be able to envision it and plan ahead or recognize you're already there and you still have something to contribute you're here there's something yet to do become contribute to serve because you're here, and that's how we know right. that. And there's a lot of meaning in that.
3: Well, and and I think you you know it's interesting. You have to have a purpose, and most people, when you ask somebody you know who they are or what they do, they generally come back to their occupation. You know that is their purpose, that kind of thing. And I mean, how many times have we heard about somebody retiring, and within just a few short months, they die? I mean that that happens. And I don't know what the mm-hmm. statistics are, but anecdotally, I've heard of that a lot. And it's like the minute that they stopped going to work, the minute that they stop, that they had no purpose. And they just like, I don't know if they, their body just said, okay, now we're done. We're, we're giving up because they don't have a purpose beyond that. Uh, I mean, how many of us need to create that purpose so that we have something beyond the, the thing that made us who we are? Uh, I mean, I'm always yeah. going to be. Monday morning. Yeah.
4: So Statistically, Monday morning, more heart, more heart attacks occur on Monday morning than any other day of the week. And that's for a reason. In some respects, it's we are dying to go back to work, but we're craving something different, and there's a certain stress level. And that's in your first mountain, probably, but maybe you've clung too long to it, and it's time to move on to that second mountain. Think about Beethoven. Beethoven was first known as a, a, um, a prodigy in the piano on the piano, I mean, he was just like, his grandfather had been a composer of great note, but he then was to become this great pianist. And then he started going deaf at 27, deaf by, almost deaf by his mid thirties. He had to change, he had to, to place a piano in his teeth and have it touching the piano so he could hear the chords or kind of feel the vibration of the chords. And then eventually just became a, a mess on the piano to a point where nobody could stand to listen to him. And then his second wind, his second mountain or second curve, whatever you want to call it, was in composition. And when he was fully deaf in the latter part of his life, he created the Ninth Symphony. All the things that he is now known for hundreds of years later came in that second curve after he was able to let go and move beyond the trauma of not being a pianist anymore because of a disability. Then came an ability to compose like the world had never seen before. And he set set a completely new standard for music even though he was well into a second curve and beyond what the meaning of his initial years meant to him
3: so should we i mean should our i mean our purpose is almost to be like you know matryoshka right the russian nesting dolls where you have to have a purpose inside of a purpose inside so that once you move beyond the next one you 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 know once the one is done now you have a secondary goal i mean should that be what we're kind of doing here or should we be focusing on one of a time. And then as we get close to the end, I mean, how, how do you, how do you reconcile that? I mean, should it be a larger purpose with many different components made up of it? Uh, what, what do you think? And how do we, and how do we, as I always do talk about institute this in our daily lives from where we're at right now, which most of us are like, what's the goal? Right. I mean, so wh- how do we do that?
4: I think it starts with giving yourself permission to ease out of one role and into the next. I think nobody can grant you that permission. Sometimes the market will do it for you. Sometimes you'll, you'll age out of something to a point where you're forced out or pushed out uh, into, an, into another role. But with it comes maybe reluctance. And with that reluctance comes pain and mental anguish. So if you set for yourself a standard and say, look, I'm going to give myself permission to at some point ease from and transition from this role in life, to this next one, but I'm going to find sort of an interstitial meaning between the two, and a through line in my life that is of service and of giving and con- contribution. And uh, I'm going to find meaning not just in this role I play today, but in my life in general. Underlying all of it is who are you, and what, why are you here, and why do why do you, do you even know why you're doing what you do? Have you really stopped and thought about it, or is it just? inertia and what you've always done and the momentum is built to a point where I I just can't stop what I'm doing. I think letting go doesn't mean giving up, letting go of one rung of the ladder to climb to the next one. You have to, you cannot let go of, of, you can't get to the next rung of life if you don't let go of the one you're, you're hanging on to. And so, but it doesn't mean giving up you don't have to give up on your health, your, your goals, be they financial or personal or things you want to accomplish. If you've got your own bucket list that you're working towards, none of that has to be given up on because you've let go of who you used to be or who you thought you were supposed to be. So I was at lunch with a with a friend. He's a phenomenal surgeon. And I asked him, I said, because I was curious, like, what? You can't do that forever at a p- particular peak level. I mean, you, you you just you have to move on at some point. Uh, whereas you and I can talk until they, you know, take the, right. like my brother says, take the Hasbro plastic microphone from me in the nursing home because it's nap time or something. Right, right. I'll continue to do this. But he said, I said, well, what is retirement going to look like for you? And he said, and I thought this was just so amazing. I've never forgotten it. That, oh, I, I plan to go to and he named a handful of countries that don't have top flight medical care. And because I just want to make a difference. I know there's surgeons there now. Uh, that are, you know, kind of retired out of, of hospital life in America and are moving over to a life of service. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really amazing. Already being able to see it, even though you're in your prime, being able to see what will that next mountain look like? What's that next curve? It doesn't have to be decline. And if you do decline, like Beethoven's hearing declined, find something else you can contribute towards. You, you Like, look at Stallone. I love Sylvester Stallone movies, but he hasn't been able to let go of who he was physically at say 35 to 45 and so he's you know you could see the the i don't want to accuse him of using steroids but <laughs> uh you know this plastic surgery that all of the stuff to like cling to something that we can all see no no that's gone buddy it's long gone um but yet he's taking on some different roles but you could just so see it in in the movie stars or politicians. Look at look at Joe Biden. Um you mentioned Gary Stevens earlier coming closer to home. Can he ever see himself just letting go and and allowing somebody else to take over that, that role? Or is he always going to see himself as the only one that could do it? And it's defining who he is. His purpose and power in life comes from that role. And the truth of it is, it doesn't. It's it's what you do with your family, the inspiration you provide and how you live your life versus just clinging to that seat like Representative Don Young did. May rest in peace and just wouldn't and couldn't let go of the power until it, it literally was you know, taken from him with with, um, with death. And so I just want to encourage all of us to look forward and go wherever you are. If you're on the second mountain or you're, you're looking towards it, plan on it enjoy where you are, be present where you are, but also be willing to say, okay, I can see where this is going to change and shift into the next phase. And there could be a great deal of meaning there.
3: Napoleon Hill talked about uh, your chief major purpose, your chief definite aim, you know, for your life. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, uh, I mean, I always kind of thought about it as a framework, right? I mean, up at the pinnacle, here is my chief definite aim. And I always tried to work backwards from that to say okay if that's my chief definite aim then what are the steps what are the intermediate steps in between and everything else and like you said i mean i chose a profession where essentially i can do this until i either lose my voice or die you know i could talk all day long it's not a big deal i can i could perform i could do whatever that's you know that that's that could be into my 80s or 90s if i you know god live uh, god bless that i live that long but You know, there are other people, like you said, that have physicality or uh, surgeons with their hands and maybe they get the tremors or whatever. Uh, So but this all comes back to setting a goal for yourself and and actually thinking about it. And this is the thing that I think Mm -hmm. it scares people. It scares people when they think about what do I want to do with my life not just in the kind of the generalities, but specifically, where are my talents? Where are my passion? What is my, what, is, what, at the end of the day, when I look back and I'm on my deathbed, what is the thing that I want to look back on and say, this is what I did? Um, and that kind of self-reflection can be scary, uh, but mm-hmm. it helps in in kind of formulating who you are and where you want to go and things like that it's It's imperative that we do that kind of self-reflection, right?
4: I agree. and And recognizing that you were born on purpose and with a purpose. And it doesn't mean that you if you don't find deep meaning in the work that you're doing currently that you should quit and go on a uh, a walkabout or a sojourn and and follow the Camino trail until you find the some epiphany. it's It's merely an understanding that you've got something to contribute. You're not here an accident. You're not played out wherever you are. You've got something left or you wouldn't be here. And that contribution can come in the form of uh, maybe it's conversations, maybe it's service, public service or civil service or something you can do and contribute. Maybe maybe you're supposed to be writing your memoir. Maybe there's something. Imagine if your great grandfather had left you a a manuscript of. of Sort of a retelling of his life and what he'd learned or grandmother and, and all those kinds of things. So it comes back to something you know, I talk about a lot in journaling and just making yourself uh, aware or being aware of who you are, where you are, where you've been and where you want to go. But there's so much left to contribute in, in ways that maybe you don't think would make right. a difference, but probably are the conversations you've got. You've seen a lot in your life and you've seen maybe you've seen a lot more than me. What if if you were to share that? What if you were to share your perspective on on how you see the world today? And not with a finger wagging in the face of the the young people, the way it used to be, but literally trying to make a difference and influence where you are. You don't need a huge platform to do it. You can do it right where you are one-to-one. In fact, most change happens on a one-to-one level. You don't need one to millions to make a difference. You can make a difference where you are
3: with what you've got. Final thoughts, Chris Story here before I let you go.
4: I would recommend, if you don't have it in your library, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And it's so when people say, oh, you know, I, you don't follow your purpose. Bring your purpose to your work and all that. And I understand there's a whole argument around that and the nomenclature of it. What Viktor Frankl helps you see, and it's a book I read at least once a year, is that in suffering, there can be meaning and there will always be suffering. And your suffering may may feel like it's the the pinnacle of all suffering in the world when you read what he went through with the people of auschwitz and all the different places uh in germany during that experience went through and yet he came out on the other side with a sense of understanding and meaning it's you it, it can't help but move you so i say, grant that book read it it's a short read it's a deep read but it's awesome and it will change your life
3: chris story the man from homer appreciate you coming on board my friend thanks for uh, being part of it today as always it's good to talk with you Uh, Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more after this.
0: Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Chris Story, author of the book The Backyard Millionaire, and, of course, Born to Live, and, of course, The Making of Man, and, of course, now the new one, which is The Watchman, Um, uh, and uh, more, Uh, you know, Finding Purpose, Finding a, a, a Vision, Finding a Goal. Finding one that can outlast what it is that you do as an occupation, right? I mean, that's what kills me, Chris, is that, I mean, even I, I mean, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm uh, in radio, or I'm a voice actor, or I'm, you know, we identify is, you know, is w- with what we do. Um, maybe mm-hmm. I should change it to, uh, I hate this term, but I'm an influencer. I'm an influencer. I'm a creative. I'm a... <laughs> You and Kim Kardashian, Yeah, me me and Kim Kardashian, we're creatives. Uh, I mean, you know. Well, maybe it's not in the answer, but
4: it is in the question. You know, the question, you could turn it around. And and so we, in in the opening to the Making a Man, and I reused the line in the opening to the Watchman. I'll probably reuse it in all of the Jacob Mann books, is, you know, he says, I'm a real estate agent. I don't tell you that to impress you. Why would I? This is simply the answer to the great American question. What do you do? And that kind of is our great American question, and maybe we can influence change there. And just say, you know, what do, you, what do you like to do? Maybe right. that's it. maybe not what do you do, but what do you like to do? And then you hear this whole other side of somebody, or you find out that they are incredibly passionate about what it is that they do do, and it does define who they are right. today. And then, but just that looking towards. I don't mind when somebody says, well, what are you doing? I say, oh, you know, I I like what you said, you know, entrepreneur. I sort of embrace that title because it's a, it's a large umbrella. It's a big tent. We do right. production, radio work, publishing, real estate, investing, brokerage, consulting, all that kind of stuff. So it all falls under one uh, entrepreneurial umbrella. But at the same time, you know, for grandchildren, two beautiful, amazing adult daughters that live nearby and work with us. And I mean, there's so many things that... Um, but what do I like to do? Oh, I like to also make pottery and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's right. lots of things that i like to do. and uh, But I'm also looking forward to that second mountain. You know, I just turned 50. And so a lot of these things are, um, you know, really present in my mind as I see myself in the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. I just did my 10-year goals over the weekend. I was like, oh, 10 years, okay. That'll be 60. Okay. <laughs> Where do I envision myself at 60? And then I know from there, I'm already saying, oh, 10 years from there would be 70. Hmm, interesting. And so just the time begins to sort of shift in your mind as the sands weave their way through the hourglass.
3: Right, exactly. And it is kind of awkward to walk up to somebody and shake hands with them and say, what's your chief definite aim? What's your what's your life's major <laughs> right. purpose? Right. I mean, so mm-hmm. it is hard. But uh, again, not to get too caught up in necessarily what we do as to what our purpose is. And uh, and you're right. Um, you know, uh, we've got to have something beyond. I personally believe you have to have something beyond yourself. To really... And this is an opinion. This is to to, to really because some people will be satisfied just in themselves and in their families and not doing. I mean, I feel like I needed to make a difference in my community. I needed to you know have a voice in what was happening and trying to right the wrongs that I see in society. And that's why I chose the path that I did. But that may not be for everybody. Uh, I haven't written. uh, I haven't written books. I haven't done stuff like that, but I've done a lot of talking. So maybe, you know, but we've got to have a purpose beyond that. And I think faith plays a big part
4: of uh, this conversation of my life and in you know there's nothing nothing to say that you have had have the same faith as me that you need to identify as a Christian or you need to identify as you know whatever your background or theological experience is however it is really interesting to think about there being nothing that that provides meaning in your life, provides comfort in your life, but there's nothing where they're not part of some greater experience or whole or I love what Dwayne Dyer Dwayne Dyer said about the apple pie. He handed somebody a piece of pie and said, If I where did this come from? He says, Well an app, an app, what is this? And he goes, Well it's apple pie. How do you know? Because it came from an apple pie. Ah. So what are you? Where did you come from? And you are from something greater, something outside of, of our known quantifiable experience and, and having faith in that is really rewarding and I think a a deep part of meaning in my life.
3: Michael Yeah, no, I agree. Uh I, I think it's important. And and everything you bring here, my friend, you always uh you always bring me a little stability and you bring me a little calm and I appreciate that. Uh, and remind me that, uh, you know, we need to, we need to be looking for that greater, that great purpose, that chief definite aim or whatever it is that we want to call it, um, uh, to move forward. Uh, like I said, it's the anecdotal tale of people who retire and then die, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, because it's like, they've lost their, they've lost their way. And I don't ever want to be that way. I want to be going until the day I, uh, keel over, uh, uh, or hopefully just fall asleep quietly in my bed. Uh, you know, one, one way or the other, uh, I want to keep going up until that day. So, uh, all right. Well, Chris story, as always, my friend, you bring, uh, you bring us good news and I appreciate that. Thank you, Michael. I'll have a great rest of the show. I'll you, be listening. you bet my friend. Thank you so much for coming on board. Chris story, the man from Homer, uh, doing, doing what he does, uplifting others, which I think is part of his chief definite aim. Uh, And uh, he does a great job at it, and I appreciate that. All right, well, here we go. I'm going to crack open the phone lines. Uh, It's hard to stay ranty after done with Chris, right? I mean... Okay. Welcome back to the program The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio just finished up with uh, Chris Story, the man from uh, Homer who comes in and gives us some great life advice and uh, we appreciate him uh, doing so although I will say that I guess my one complaint, if I had a complaint, I don't have to complain but I guess I'm going to is that it's really hard when I had a really good rant on and then I sit down with Chris and then I get on the other side and I'm like, I'm not feeling as ranty anymore. (laughs) So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines. Uh, We haven't done open phones here in a few days. So let's open up the phone lines right now at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We'll open up the... Uh, We'll open up the lines and see what you guys have to say. Uh, We can talk about the legislator stuff. Uh, I mean, tell me exactly how does it feel to get knifed in the back? Because that's what it was. And then just how, how irate do you feel when somebody like Gary Stevens just says, I just don't know why they don't want to work with us. I just... I'm shocked that they don't want to. Oh, it's just it's just not working. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really odd right now. We keep talking about this and we just can't seem to make any progress. <laughs> I mean, a, this is the this is the duh moment. Duh. <laughs> well, of course, you can't make any progress. You know, when you stick it in and break it off. People are not nearly as likely to want to talk to you as they were a few minutes ago, especially after you promised them you wouldn't do what you just did. <laughs> this is like Lucy in the football. <laughs> I promise I won't pull it out of your way one more time. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's go over to the phones and see what you have to say. 907-433-3150, of course, the whole hour powered by our friends at Satellite West. To the telephones we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
5: This is Charles again from Fairbanks, and I'm out there. Um, I, went, I have a science degree from the UAF, and I learned from Francis Bacon's inductive reasoning method. This is the argument you're seeing today. I know you're not going to agree with. You don't want to listen. You don't want to see my point. But this is the argument we're having with science. Today, they are arguing against the inductive reasoning method of Francis Bacon, and he is based on the regularity principle of the
3: Bible. Now, there's a lot of reading there for you. The inductive reasoning, explain, I guess, deductive reasoning would, I guess, be making a logical leap. So, what is inductive reasoning?
5: It's the reverse of deductive. In inductive, you take many things and point it to one. In deductive, it's the opposite. You take one point and go to the many. It, it takes a lot of reading, and it takes a lot of uh, metaphysics. and And uh, read some Francis Bacon essays. Read the Four Idols: Idols of the Theater, Idols Idols of the Cave. Uh, uh, just read one s. Just read one sentence that Francis Bacon. Ever wrote, and you can see why the people of are making this argument. But the uh, in the uh, regularity principle of the Bible is
3: the basis of our differences. Uh, okay, truly. Well, well, thank you, Charles. I appreciate that. I'll regularity uh, principle. Look it up. Read. Inductive reasoning. Francis Bacon. Thank you so much for your call. Uh I mean, I don't know why he thought I was going to disagree with him. I don't know enough to disagree with him on that, but you know, there we go. 907-433-3150. Over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene and Cody.
3: Well, good morning, Um, Carlene.
1: Yesterday, Ben, good morning. Um, Yesterday, Ben Carpenter um, spoke with us in an interview, and I did agree with him, and he spoke the truth. And you asked, how did we feel It was very sobering, very serious, and very grievous. Um, What we learned, of course, we already knew, was that we have a deficit of almost a billion dollars. We're going to probably take half of our savings, our emergency savings of a billion dollars, and then we want to raise this cap limit of a billion dollars the PFD, the dividend, will be gone. the The permanent sum over a little time will be gone and will be taxed. Um, that was just incredibly sobering. Yeah. And that looks like the plan right now. I hope someone with more reasoning like. Ben Carpenter was very reasoning, very reasonable. You could hear the reasoning in him. I hope that people will start speaking out. Yeah. And push back.
3: Well, Carly, uh, well, Carleen, I think well, I appreciate that. I think a lot of it, I mean, you know, at first we need to start with maybe some of your friends and neighbors and finding a alternative to people like Gary Stevens going to the legislature. That would probably help a lot in that regard. Uh, if we could do that. Thank you, Carlene, for your call. Let's go over here, uh, take another one. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
5: Yeah, James in Fairbanks. Morning, James. Yeah, uh, I just don't understand how they can not bend to the will of the people by moving the legislature to Palmer Wasilla, where the people have voted on it so many times. To where Mister Smith can actually go to Washington, to yeah, you know, address our grievances. Yeah, with, with Juno being no man's and none of us can get there.
3: Yeah, well, it's been if, part of the problem.
5: Reverse to where we were in If we were in Palmer and Wasilla with the legislature, every one of us could show up and let our voices be heard. But the way they got it set up now, they are the king.
3: Yeah. Well, thank it's, you for your show. I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, this has been one of the reasons why the Charter of Changes calls for a moving of the legislature, the session itself, onto the road system. Not moving the Capitol. Uh, that's been voted on seven times. It passed five, it was defeated two. Uh, Even when it was passed, they defunded it. Uh, They found every reason not to bring it out and put it on the road system because, quite honestly, I think many of those folks just like being where they're at. They like being in the shadows. They like being in their own little fishbowl, not having to deal with people. I mean, if you had a bunch of angry folks in your hearing room talking about things like this or coming to your office and demanding that you stop stabbing people in the back, that would probably be uncomfortable. But that's why we've called to have the legislative session on the road system, um, because I think it's it's one of the things that needs to happen to get control of our government back. Is it likely to it mean is it feasible? Yeah, I mean, yes, not easy. We'll have to see if that happens in my lifetime. All right, folks, tomorrow, Mike Schauer will be joining us, maybe another guest in hour one. We'll see how that goes down. Appreciate you coming on board. Be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, my friends. Well, like having a castle with a moat, a big moat. Yeah. And didn't Carlene say she voted for Stutes? Yeah. People are conundrums, aren't they? There are balls and bundles of conflicting emotions and impulses. You know, it's uh, just one of those things. So thanks for coming in and being part of it today. Harold's got the COVID. Harold, I hope you feel better. I don't. You know, I had it one time for a day, and I feel I I got I got over it. So I'm sure you will too. Appreciate you guys coming on board. And thank you for uh, being part of it today. Looking forward to tomorrow. Looks like it might be a sunny day today. I'm kind of excited about that. Appreciate you being part of it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Be kind to one another. Love one another. You know, just let those differences go. Find some common ground. Live well. It's all we can ask for when it's all said and done. Thanks for being part of it. We'll see you tomorrow.